Hello, everybody. And as passive, my name's Tracy, and I think some of you know me, um, and others of you don't. I'm, I'm here at St Matthews uh, for the last year, and came to, to St Matthews from Greyfriars with Cads and Kirsty. And um, I actually came to place my faith in Jesus Christ through an Alpha course about 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, I was literally sitting just where you're sitting now, listening to, to these range of talks. So um, just want to encourage you that uh, this is, is a really great place to, to explore all of the questions that are going to be unfolding over the next few weeks. And so tonight, as Pat said, we're going to be looking at why and how should we read the Bible. And just to start off, we're going to have a look at a clip, which is actually very timely because it talks, um, it's, it's actually from one of our Olympians, and it's actually from one of our local Olympians, Debbie Flood, and speaking about her experience of the Bible. So that's really encouraging, isn't it, to hear from, from one, of our, one of our Olympians about the importance um, of the Bible in her life. So we're going to be looking at lots of different facets of the Bible. And just to start off, when we normally pick a book to read, we, we usually know the author's purpose in writing it. So, for example, if we're reading a textbook, it's normally because we're studying for an exam, a particular course of study. Or if we're reading a novel... It's, you're usually expecting to be entertained. But many people, when they approach the Bible, they don't really consider why. What is the purpose for which it's been written? So we need to really think about that tonight as we're looking at why we should read the Bible. Why did God in, intend it to be written? How does he speak to us through it today? So we're going to look by way of an introduction at the Bible's uniqueness. And firstly, the Bible is the most popular book. It is literally the best-selling book every year. It sells an estimated 44 million copies every year in over 2,000 languages, which is amazing, isn't it? And we're always hearing about that we're, we're in such a godless age. So how, how can it be that the Bible carries on selling year in, year out in such vast quantities? And um, the Bible Society was asked this question, and they said, well, it is just such a good book. And um, I don't know whether any of you, like me, had one of these as a child, if anyone recognises uh, this book. And this book is over 40 years old, this Bible. It was given to me at my christening. And um, I just loved it. I, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. We never went to church. But there's just such good stories in this book. And it, although I didn't know it, it was really laying a very firm foundation in my life uh, for, for the years to come. It's such a good book. And secondly, it's the most powerful book. It has the power to change lives. In 1928, the then Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin said of the Bible, it is a high explosive, but it works in strange ways, and no living man can tell or know how that book, in its journey through the world, has startled the individual soul in 10,000 different places into a new life a new world, a new belief, a new conception, a new faith. Thirdly, it's uniquely precious. 
someone asked the Swiss theologian Karl Barth what he believed to be the most important theological statement. And he replied very simply, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Which is a very familiar children's hymn to many of us. At the Queen's coronation, she was handed a Bible by the Archbishop of Canterbury with these words. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. But why is the Bible so popular, so powerful and so precious? Would you like to turn in our shiny new Bibles to page 967? We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. So on the uh, right-hand side, about two-thirds of the way down. And this is where um, Jesus is in the wilderness. He's been tempted by the devil. He's fasted for 40 days, so he's pretty hungry. And um, Satan comes to him and says, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answers in, in verse 4, It is written... Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And note the present tense here. God is continually wanting to communicate with his people. And he does this through his word, through the Bible. It is really like spiritual food. Jesus knew his scripture. and He was actually quoting from the Old Testament, from the book of Deuteronomy. God reveals himself to us in many different ways. He reveals himself through creation, by his Holy Spirit, which we'll be learning more of later in the course. But he's also revealed himself as a person through his son Jesus. And the main way that we learn about Jesus is through God's revelation of him in the Bible. If you'd like to turn to um, page 1196... And we're looking at uh, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 15, down the bottom of the page on the right-hand side. From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible, being God-breathed, it's inspired by God. It's written by many different human agents, but it's inspired by God. And the author Paul believed this very strongly, as we can see in this passage. And also Jesus believed it too. He believed, as we've seen, that what what the Bible said was what God was speaking. And that's also been the view of the church and theologians down the centuries. The the early theologian Irenaeus said, the scriptures are perfect. And the reformer Martin Luther said, scripture has never erred. But, and as I'm sure you found out, there are difficulties in the Bible. Even the apostle Peter said, 
of the Apostle Paul that his teachings were often very hard to understand. And there are moral and historical difficulties and sometimes even apparent contradictions. Some of these have been resolved over time, but others are more difficult to reconcile. There's many different contexts in the Bible. It was written over 1,500 years by many different authors from different walks of life, fishermen, doctors, lawyers, um, poets, and various different people in different forms. So we've got books of history, of prophecy, letters. And there's many different issues that we find hard hard to understand, like the issue of suffering. But... Christians are really called to hold firm to the love of God and the faith in the inspiration of the Bible and to seek to really grapple with these difficulties and to understand them where we can. So if we take the Bible as our authority, as Jesus did, it's really a manual for life. And as we've just seen in our passage, it's useful. It's useful for teaching and rebuking, It shows us how to act, it corrects our ways, and it trains us in righteousness. And the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses very early on in the Old Testament form the basis of many of our laws today. But some people might be thinking, well, I don't really want a rule book. It's just too restrictive. And if I I follow the Bible, then I'm not free to enjoy my life. But is that really true? In life, when rules are broken, people tend to get hurt. It would be wonderful if we could leave our homes and our cars unlocked without fear of robbery. When God said, don't commit adultery, he wasn't just being a spoil sport. He knew that people would get hurt. So the Bible is God's revelation of his will for us. And the more we discover his will and we act on it, then really the freer we will be. But for some people, the Bible just remains a manual for life. They may study it, they may discuss it and analyse it. But the main point of the Bible is is to show us how to have a relationship with Jesus today. Just as an example... Delia Smith's How to Cook. I may study it. I may highlight bits of it that particularly appeal to me. I might copy out bits and stick them on my fridge or on my mirror just so that I can remind remind me of them as I go through the day. I might even start up a little study group, Friends of Delia. But unless I actually use it for the purpose for which it has been written to allow me to be able to cook then I've just completely missed the point. And the book is never brought to life. And Jesus made this point um, when the religious leaders, the Pharisees, those who, were, who knew the scriptures really, really well and followed them diligently, when they were persecuting him for healing on the Sabbath, he had this to say, if you'd like to turn to page 1069. And we're looking at John 5, 39 to 40. So 
So Jesus is saying to the religious leaders, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very strict scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So it's no good reading the Bible if you never come to know Jesus. Just knowing the rules isn't really enough, as Jesus really wants to point out to those, those religious leaders. And God wants to speak to us daily through his word. So as well as being a manual, it's actually also a love letter to us, um, because he's calling us into a relationship with him through Jesus. When I received love letters in my teens and 20s, a very long time ago now, I would really treasure them and, and pour over them and read them over and over again and really drink in all those words of love that really spoke of how my loved one felt about me. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants us to really receive the truth about the way he feels about us. And it's all in here, how he feels about us. It's all in here. So what happens when God speaks through the Bible? Well, he brings faith to those who are not yet Christians. And the Apostle Paul said, faith comes through hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. And when I was on an Alpha course 10 years ago, two things happened during that that course, which really led me to dig into the Bible for myself. Firstly, I was asked to be a godmother, and uh, my friend just said to me, can you read a passage from the Bible at the christening? And I didn't know where to start, and uh, I asked a a Christian friend of mine, and she recommended a passage in Psalm 139. And um, as I read this, this passage, it was all about how God knew me, how God had knew me before I was born, how he knit me together in my mother's womb and how he, he, he fashioned me so intricately and so delicately and so beautifully. And that really spoke to me, really moved me. And then very soon after that, I was asked to, to read at a very close friend's wedding. This was all while I was on the Alpha course. And um, the passage was from one of John's letters and it was all about the love of God, how God is love and if God is love then we also should love others. And as I read again, I dug into that passage, it really spoke to me of, um, of God's love for us and, and how that love then goes out in, in, into, into the community. And it, that, that really did a lot to bring me along in, in uh, putting my faith in Jesus. If you've never read the Bible, or like the guy that we heard on in Broad Street, he got a bit bogged down in places, in areas that were were heavy going. Sometimes that can happen if you start at Genesis and just plough on. It um, may be an idea to start in one of the four Gospels, because these are all about the life of Jesus. And the book of Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels, so that could be quite a good place to start if, um, if some parts have seemed a bit indigestible in the past. So God also speaks to people who are Christians. And as they hear from Jesus and they spend time with him, 
they become more like him. And that is God's purpose for us, to become more like Christ. And one of my very, very favourite passages in the Bible um, we're going to turn to now, and it's on page 1160. And it's um, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. So down the bottom on the uh, right-hand side of page 1160. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So notice again that present tense. We are being transformed with ever-increasing glory. It's an ongoing process as we we learn more about Jesus, as we dig into the Bible and hear from him and take take into um, all of his teachings. We are becoming more like him. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture, isn't it? God also speaks in times of crisis and I remember when I was quite a new Christian going to hear Selwyn Hughes speak at Greyfriars if any of you I don't know if any of you've heard of Selwyn Hughes he is quite a well-known Christian uh, writer and uh, teacher and um, at the time he was dying of bone cancer and he had had a lot of tragedies in his life. He'd had lost a lot of very close relations, had a, a, a lot of loss, a lot of suffering in his life. And he was asked how he managed to keep going. How do you manage to keep, keep your faith and keep going in the midst of, of such difficulties? And I always remember what he said. He said, I have lived a life steeped in scripture. And when I heard that, I just got a picture of a tea bag. When you steep a tea bag in water, and the longer you steep a tea bag in hot water, the, the more it will absorb, it will become saturated, and then it gives out that strength and flavour. So the longer he, the, the more he steeped his life in scripture, the stronger he became. And that has I've remembered that so much over the years that the Bible can really really speak to us in times of great, great crisis. But it's not just for emergencies. We can also use the Bible in everyday guidance. Um, one of the psalmists wrote, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And I read a story of an old lady who was nervous of the dark around her porch area. And so her daughter bought her a very bright torch to stop her, to help her find her way. But the next time she saw her mother, she noticed she had a a big bruise on on the side of her face. And she said, well, what happened there? And and her mum said, well, I did actually fall um, on the porch. And her daughter said, well, what about that bright torch that I bought you? And she said, well, I don't like to use it because I'd like to keep it for emergencies in case the batteries run out. (laughs) Well, God's batteries do not run out. His lamp is available to us every day to guide us. We don't have to save it for emergencies. The Bible can also be very useful as a defence against spiritual attack. We've already seen that 
Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he answered with the word of God, it is written as a defense against every attack. And I read a little story of um, a new Christian who read in the Bible, he who has the son, who has Jesus, has life. And he thought, yes, praise God, I'm saved. So he went to bed. In the middle of the night, the devil came and stood at the bottom of his bed and said, you're not saved. It's all a myth. So the guy got up, put the light on, got the book out, went to the verse and said, there it is, read it for yourself. Defense against spiritual attack. The word is powerful. So how can we hear God speak? Well, like every relationship, God wants our time. And when relationships break down, it's often because people haven't spent enough time with each other. So we need to set aside that time to spend with God. It needs to be planned. It's not a quick fix. Somewhat like you grab a burger on the way to somewhere else rather than having a proper meal. It needs to be regular. As we've we've heard, the word of God is our spiritual food. So we need it regularly. We wouldn't normally eat a week's worth of food in one day and then starve ourselves for a week. So we need to plan our time with God. We need to make it regular. And we also need to make it a place where we can really concentrate and spend time without, without distraction where the Bible tells us that uh, Jesus often went away to a solitary place to spend time with his father. So find a place where there's no distractions. In our home, uh, I really felt over over several years a nudge from God to uh, transform a little junk room in our home into a room where we could spend time in prayer and study. And now I find that I don't want to come out. Once I go in, it's actually quite difficult to come out because it it is so nice to go in and, and read the Bible and spend time with God. So we're there with the Bible. How do we then, where do we go on from there? Well, you can start by asking God to speak to you through the passage you're reading and ask him, what does it say? And sometimes it might be helpful to compare different translations of the Bible And there are so many different ones available from the the very traditional King James Version to the the, um, New International Version, which we're using here in the church. There's more modern versions, such as the Message Bible, and there's ones that are a bit in between. So you can try different ones and see what suits you. And sometimes if you're having difficulty with a particular passage, it's useful to compare different translations of the Bible. There's, couple, there's two great bookshops in Reading, Christian bookshops, and people are very helpful in telling you what, you know, showing you what's available. Or other friends, often friends can be very helpful in, in pointing you in the right direction with, um, with translations of the Bible. The next question is, what does the passage actually mean? And some people find that using a study Bible is quite helpful because that explains the context of what you're reading. Or some Bible notes, and there's various different Bible notes you can either buy or get sent free, like Every Day with Jesus, or Daily Bread, or The Word for Today. 
and ask, how does the passage actually relate to me? How does it relate to my family, my job, my school, my community? It's quite powerful and exciting when you can see the relevance in the Bible to your own life and you realise that you are actually hearing from God. And lastly, we need to apply what we've read. We need to put it into practice. And Jesus was quite, this is very, quite a famous uh, passage about Jesus talking about um, putting into, into practice his words. If you'd like to turn to page 972, and we're looking at um, verse 24 on page 972. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So we need to put those words into practice. The 19th century preacher D.L. Moody said, the Bible was not given to increase knowledge. It was given to change lives. So we need to apply it and allow it to change our lives. Because God really, really longs to talk to us personally through the Bible. So I'd like to pose two questions to you tonight. Is God trying to speak to you? And if he is, will you let him? I'd like to end with a very short prayer. Please do join in if you would like to. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to us through the Bible and showing us how to enter into a relationship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. May we find Jesus as we read your word and through him gain the eternal life you have planned for us. In Jesus' name, amen.